You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday and happy game day, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today it is game day. It is the first ever Eastern Conference play-in game. Pacers-Hornets, biggest game of the season for both teams. And joining me to talk Hornets, to talk play-in Pacers-Hornets action, Richie Randall from the BuzzBeat podcast, my favorite Hornets podcast. Richie, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, you you uh, hyped up the game, the first ever play-in game. It's gonna be, it's gonna have a feel like an NCAA tournament game. I just feel like these teams are gonna come out with a little bit of jitters to start the game, but uh, you know, win or go home, especially in this this nine ten matchup. It's super fascinating the structure. Um, I think it's funny that we, you know, we talked to on you guys' side, Cody Zeller, Miles Bridges, and James Borrego today. And Miles Bridges brought up those nerves, like you said. On the Pacers side, we only talked to Nate Bjorkren, but some have compared it to a game seven, right? Where it's you win and go home for a playoffs. And others have done the NCAA tournament comparison where it's, you know, the tournament style to get in. Either way, I like games with more on the line. So I am excited for that. Uh, the Hornets. And Pacers finished with basically the same record this year. I don't think that adequately tells the story for either team right now, though. But let's start with where the Hornets are at right now because they have lost five in a row and injuries are kind of killing them. But when I tune in, I caught them at the end of the Knicks game. I caught a lot of the Wizards game. They're playing better than losing five in a row, if that makes sense. So can you kind of detail for Pacers people where the Hornets are at right now? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely uh, some of these losses probably look worse than they really are. Having lost five in a row, it's it's never good to go into one of these types of games with, you know, the lack of confidence losing five games in a row. But, you know, the injuries, yeah, the injuries have played the biggest part in the past, you know, 20, 30 games. And at, at one point, the Hornets were in fourth place in the East when everyone was healthy. But ever since Hayward went down and LaMelo went down, uh, things have started to kind of have a, a downward spiral with this team. Now, LaMelo is back, but he doesn't seem to be having the same effect, you know, as he did pre-injury. Um, he, he's still obviously an impact player on the court, uh, but it, it's not like the same uh, like pre-injury, like I mentioned. But this this whole team is just predicated on ball movement, pace, getting everyone involved. But when things do go a little wrong. They need a player like Kayward they can turn to in the half court. And they just don't have that player right now. They, they've gone through some spurts on offense where they've just gone cold. And it's almost like they play better behind than they do with the lead. And, and that was the issue against Washington. They were they were up double digits. And um, in the fourth quarter, they, they should have put the game away and that would have secured the eighth spot in the East. But uh, they went cold in the fourth quarter like they have recently. So they do desperately miss Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I was going to ask directly about his injury because it is official now. We weren't sure yesterday. He's not. I mean, it was kind of official before, but now it's officially official that Gordon Hayward is not going to play. Neither is Cody Martin, but I don't even think he's in the rotation when he's healthy. So not much talking there. But with Hayward, right, playmaking is the biggest thing for me with him with the Hornets. And this, the Hornets still finished fifth in the league in assists per game, right? Like they still move the ball really well. But they have to step up, like you said, in those half-court situations when you know their set dies or they don't get out in transition. So who's kind of stepped up for them in those situations? When I catch the Hornets, a lot of Terry Rozier 
floaters have been happening recently, but I don't know if that's been the case for a lot of the season. And what can, you know, in this game, say the Pacers do slow the Hornets down for a whole possession, you know, who do they have to lock up on to get a stop? Yeah, if you had a if you had to single out one player, it probably would be Terry Rozier. I, I think that Terry Rozier probably suffered the most when Lamelo went down out of anyone on this team because he had to make uh, you know he had to change roles a little bit, be, be a little bit more ball dominant, uh, which really doesn't suit him that well. But now that Ball is back and obviously Devonte is still there, he can play more in his natural position. He's an elite catch and shoot three point shooter. Like you just look at those numbers, it, it's top five, Tony. I mean, it's 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 been that way for a couple of years. Uh, his mid range has been a little bit inconsistent recently, but to your point, he does hit some floaters, some running bank shots. Um, that's an area of the game where he's made a jump from last season. I want to say it's like a ten percentage point jump from last season in the mid-range but again if, if Lamelo's not playing well or Devontae's not playing well that also hampers Rozier on the half court and I guess another player that I should point out to you uh, is Miles Bridges I think out of anyone on this team he's made the biggest jump um, in terms of just everything with his on the ball playmaking ball handling um, that whole effectiveness with the ball in his hands this season has been something different compared to last season. I mean, last season he was more of a, a spot up shooter and yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to be mindful of catch and shoot threes, but you unlock something a whole lot differently when you have to close out hard on miles bridges. And you know, miles bridges is one of the, the, you know, the most athletic players in the game right now. I would almost argue he's the best in game dunker right now. But so when you have that going for him where you can dribble, pass off the dribble, shoot off the dribble. That's a, that's unlocked a ton for him. So I would say Rozier and Bridges are the two that, you know, if, if I was the opposing team, I, I would focus on. You know, with Miles Bridges and the in-game dunks, I think he's probably the best. But even if he was tied for the best, his, his name's Eric Collins, right? I think Collins makes, the, makes them the best because the highlights are just outrageous. He's such a good announcer for hype dunks like that. It's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. We talk about that, how... Everyone is kind of getting drawn towards Eric Collins now because the Hornets have been a fun team to watch this season. But you know, as Hornets fans, people have known him like this for the whole, you know, the entirety <laughs> of his career. Like he'll get pumped up every single night in and night out, even if the Hornets aren't playing great. Like he is, he is like that. Like that, that's his energy nonstop. It, it's crazy. Well, was, I wish he, we, was he doing this for Gennaro Pargo and Gerald Wallace like 10 years yes. ago? Yeah, I mean, he he was anyone, anyone and everyone. Yeah, he does not discriminate. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the Terry Rozier is probably, like, since I've been covering the NBA, my biggest, like, hand up, I was wrong about this guy ever. Because after he was with Boston, people were wanting him to come to the Pacers. And most of the people who that was were, like, people who watched the playoffs but never watched the Celtics in the regular season and thought he was good. But he was bad with the Celtics. And then the Hornets got him. And I was like, ah, oh, that's not good. That's not a good deal. And he's been, like you said, elite movement catch and shoot guy this year which has unlocked a lot for this Hornets team at least when I've watched them and of course you would know better than me but yeah he's a really effective player now and I have been impressed with him shouldering the load more with Hayward out and you brought up LaMelo man is he fun like I was stupid high on him before the draft anyway but it's like he he just sees so much stuff that even if you like get trained to watch not the ball and see kind of what you think is open, Lamella's like, no, someone else is open here. And then throws a pass that's like impossible. It's crazy how good he is as a rookie. And I feel like his impact in this game as a kind of bigger guard, the Pacers guards are pretty small, is going to be kind of understated. I think he can be a really impactful guy against the Pacers. 
You are correct, but I, I do wonder if him coming back from injury, just something that I've noticed, I mean, other than his shooting being um, not as great since pre-injury, but you almost wonder if he's not going to be as aggressive, right? Like he doesn't want to go up for a shot at the rim, considering that if he comes down hard on that wrist, because he's been flexing that wrist on the sideline, you know, in games, you'll see him roll around that wrist just to get it comfortable. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, he is going to make an impact. I think there's like a low bar that I have for him in this game. If he can shoot, I know this is pretty low. Like if he can just shoot like 32, 33% from behind the arc in this game, I think that would really help because it opens up a ton for him uh, and the team. If he can do that, because right now teams are sagging off on him on his three point shot pre-injury. He was shooting close to 38% post-injury. He's shooting closer to 24, 25% from behind the arc. So, uh, I would go under every single screen if I was Indiana. So if he can get that up to like 33% just for one single game, that that's going to be a, a big jump for this team. But yeah, his passing is crazy. Like he sees things that other people don't, and he definitely sees things like two or three seconds ahead of, uh, you know, when they develop. I shouldn't laugh, but you said go under screens and the Pacers have not gone under screens on anyone this year. Like they oh, go yeah? over on Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook and just, wow. it's embarrassing. And, uh, one of the things I'm fearful of in this game because uh, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges to an extent and even LaMelo are kind of good pull-up three-point shooters. So going over on screens might uh, invite a few too many of those shots if the screen is good. Taking a quick break from all the Hornets Pacers talk to talk to you guys about the great folks over at rockauto.com because one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like your mortgage or your food. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership and you could get them for cheaper at rockauto.com a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers their catalog is unique and super easy to navigate you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer best of all those prices they're always reliably low same for everybody. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? When you get them for cheaper at rockauto.com, go there right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? I know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So in this game specifically, I'm going to ask the question on both sides, best and worst. What do you feel like is the best matchup specifically for the Hornets that will give them the biggest advantage and chance to get ahead in this game? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it, you mean like an individual one. Whatever I, I think, you want. Broad question yeah. on purpose. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to direct this more towards team oriented. I, okay. I think where the Hornets have had their most success against anyone has been when they've been able to turn the team over and get out in transition. They are fourth in the NBA and, you know, time of possession after a turnover at 6.7 seconds. They are first in the NBA in terms of effective field goal percentage following a turnover. Um, but that has gone down pretty significantly in the past, like 20, 30 games, like I mentioned, since these injuries have started to pile up. So that's, that's the one key component or key aspect that I think would lead directly to Charlotte's success. Now, Indiana doesn't turn the ball over that often. So that's going to be one thing that Charlotte is going to have to do. And, and both teams, you know, like to push the pace to me, I would not want the Hornets to get in this like, you know, half court situation. I think that th that can get ugly for Charlotte. 
you know, it Brago is a good X's and O's type of coach, and he has a way of creating mismatches. He runs a lot of actions through the elbow, and he screens there. He screens the screener, a lot of flares. Um, but like I mentioned before, they don't have someone they can lean on in the half court, you know, for fourth quarter. So to me, the biggest matchup where they're going to have the most success if they do win this game is going to have to be forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, transition. And one thing I didn't note with ball that I should mention here, one of the most underrated aspects of his game has been his ability to jump passing lanes. And he already has that length as it is at like six, seven, six, eight. So those instincts defensively are great. And uh, that can only help him and help the team. So was there another question with that, Tony? No, I was just going to note that like part of seeing the game the way he does as a as a passer involves seeing the game defensively in the same way, right? So jumping those, those passing lines is interesting to me. Yeah, Borrego, we were both on that presser earlier today. It was interesting to me because he brought up the pace. He, he said that they wanted to pay at their play, pace and not the Pacers' pace. And when I think about the Hornets more so, I think of the way you just described a team that's really good in transition and it's faster, but their pace is actually like 18th, right? So their half-court possessions are longer and slower. So that's interesting to me that their big advantage would be in transition because the Pacers are finished the season fifth in the league in pace. They were number one for the last month and a half or two months. So they really want to play fast. So maybe that transition style behooves them a little bit because recently they've been pushing on makes like other teams will make it and they'll just throw it to half court and try to score right away. So when your defense is disjointed after a transition bucket, perhaps that could behoove the Pacers. That said, obviously being the best team in the league at effective field goal percentage in transition is something to watch. The Pacers have been kind of turnover prone this season because of that pace at times. So that's going to be an interesting yin, yin and yang uh, battle kind of situation for me there. When I think of the Hornets' biggest advantages, like individual player matchup wise, I mostly just think of the guards because mm-hmm. the Pacers play such an aggressive defensive style. Nate Bjorken calls it disruptive. It's not disruptive. He wants it to be disruptive, but it's not where they're just, they end up chasing these ball handlers around on the perimeter so much that I think, you know, if they send a little too much shade of help or they're a little too late on the rotation, right? Like, this, the the PJ Washington at the five lineups were killer for, for the Hornets against the Pacers this year because they had so much more perimeter stuff going on. And I worry that if there's just a little too much shading of those guards are going to be able to get three point shooters really open, get cutters really open. They do a lot of that screen the screener stuff. So, you know, if, if it's Rozier that they're head, sending a little extra coverage at or Devonte when he's in the game or Lamelo when he's handling stuff, whichever one it is, I worry that they'll send a little too much pressure like they have at times this season and get burned that way. Yeah, you mentioned PJ Washington. I, I have not mentioned him yet. He's probably had the one of the more inconsistent seasons for Charlotte. He's had ups and downs. He started the season, you know, pretty down. I, I think Brago kind of admitted it or hinted at it that he kind of came into the season out of shape. We talk about swing skills. He might be the swing player in this game. He has he has shown flashes this season with his pick and pop ability. Um, I think in the two wins against the Pacers this season, he shot a, a good number from behind the arc. But I, I looked it up in the one loss that they had against the Pacers. He shot one of six from three. So he can run the floor, create some mismatches. Uh, when he does shift to that five ball, that small ball five that Borrego talks about, it happens a lot. Like he he probably plays a little bit too much at five, but that's probably due to the fact that Charlotte has a a pretty poor center rotation. Um, but he does. <laughs> Biombo is any good still? No, not yeah, still yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee you, Biombo will drop a pass. He will fumble something. Is he going to play? He does play. He does play. He in a, he, in a um, shortened rotation game, he'll still play. That surprises yeah, me. Uh, Golly. Well, that's true. <laughs> Short rotation game. I don't know, but 
it's funny, Borrego has favored Biombo like in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 games since these injuries came about just because of the energy that he brings on the defensive side of the court. I've always favored Zeller. Like he's always been an underrated guy in my, in my opinion. And, you know, when you play Sabonis, you're going to need someone other than Washington to throw at him. And I think maybe Borrego thinks that Biz can provide that. But offensively, you're playing four and five when Biz is out there. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. We were trying to figure out rotations yesterday when previewing this game, and I, I was trying to figure out if Biombo would play or not because he does play like every game, but it's only like 10 minutes, you know, which is mm-hmm. kind of the cutoff of a guy you might take out in a playoff situation kind of game. But if Borrego really likes him, you know, that stuff uh, might not happen. So when I look at the Hornets' statistical profile, was trying to figure out, you know, I, obviously we've watched these teams play three times this season, but in general – you look to ways that the Pacers can get an advantage statistically. And two things stand out to me. And one's not a stat and one is. The non-stat thing is that they do do these PJ at center lineups. And you just talked about how Sabonis can get an advantage there. The other thing is that the Hornets give up the highest two-point percentage in the NBA. And I don't know this, but I'm assuming that's because they give up a lot of shots at the rim. So do you feel like Sabonis can be the Pacers' biggest advantage in this game because he can bully some guys in the post and set up some DHOs and screens to get guys shots at the rim? Or do you feel like guards driving will be a bigger weakness for the Hornets in this one? (laughs) I hate to say a little bit bit of both there. I mean, I did not know that stat that they gave up the most two point or the the highest field goal percentage. Um, They might've just gotten to that, but according to basketball reference, they're 30th at 55.2% opponent two point percentage. Where are they at in three-point percentage? Do you have that in front of you? Opponent three-point percentage, they finished 17th, so it's slightly below average. But yeah. they gave up the most three-point attempts. Exactly. That 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 is where <laughs> they've gotten a little bit lucky. So this is what I'm getting at. So perimeter defense has never been a thing with Charlotte. Never been a thing in, in you know, the past five, six, seven years. There's never been a great shutdown perimeter player. And the scheme in which JB has talked about this year let me put it this way. Last year, he tried to defend the three and the paint. Okay. And he said it didn't work for whatever reason. So now he tailored his defensive system to focus solely on the paint. Now, clearly the, the field goal percentage doesn't necessarily prove this, but the attempts they, are low though. Yes, they don't they, give up many shots. They just give up good shots. <laughs> they collapse like crazy. So they, they do collapse like crazy. So if somebody beats a perimeter player off the dribble, uh, you're going to see three, four Hornets in the paint and collapsing and Hornets do give up a ton of three point shots and that's what they're going to live and die by. So it's hard to answer that question. Obviously, I think if Sabonis does have a good game, I have a hard time believing that Charlotte wins this game. But to be honest with you, if the Pacers can knock down their three point shots because the Hornets do give up a ton and a ton of uncontested shots, that's probably where it would just be, okay, game over for Charlotte. So um, it's it's one of those things where Charlotte is going to load up on the paint and protect the drives, but that also leaves opportunities for catch and shoot threes. I don't, I don't know if, I guess I can kind of turn this question to you, but like who are the players on the Pacers that you trust the most to, you know, be a catch and shoot three point shooter. Obviously Doug McDermott seems to be like the, the key answer there. Yeah. So McDermott's the obvious guy. And the thing about McDermott is he actually hasn't been as good of a shooter this year as in past seasons, but that's for two reasons. One, he's drawing way more attention of defenses and two, he like between TJ Warren being out and miles Turner, missing a bunch of time, Brogdon missing some time. He's often the only like really threatening shooter in the game. So it's a lot easier to put that pressure on him and make it harder for him to shoot. So he's like, obviously still a threat, a good shooter and can go off at any time. But I would say Justin Holiday has been 
a, a big threat from three this season. Like he had a really rough stretch kind of after the trade deadline and into April, but in May he's hitting 47% of six attempts per game from three, just scorching the nets on these catch and shoot shots in the starting lineup with Lavert and Sabonis. He's been unbelievable. So if he can carry that accuracy into a, an important one game sample. And by the way, this is why I wish this was a best of three, because it's like, Oh, Justin Holiday hit five threes. Pacers move on like that. That shouldn't be how the season ends for some team, but it, you know, it's how the system is set up, whatever. Or, oh, look, LaMelo Ball with three, three from deep. Hornets are moving on to the nine versus yeah. eight game or whatever. Like, it could just be like that. Like, you know, we can break down the game as much as we want. It could be like that. But, yeah, if Justin Holiday or if Brogdon plays especially because he's been a little more off ball with Lavert back, he could be a big swing shooter as well in this game. So they'll have the threats, but they've got to make them. And in one-game settings, that's not always as easy. Let's take one last break here so we can talk about the awesome folks over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action over at betonline.ag. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Plus, you can bet on this Pacers-Hornets game over at betonline.ag tonight. They have the odds up for that. Pacers favored by three points, so you can bet that spread. Minus 153 to win. Over-under is 228 if any of those tickle your fancy. Go check them out over at betonline.ag. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the playoffs, including the Pacers. Head to that website, betonline.ag, on your mobile device or whatever you use to get on the internet. You can receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, when you sign up. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Well, Doug McDermott has always been an underrated player to me because I actually went on Mark Schindler's podcast, um, and we were talking about him, how good he is at the rim as well. Like, can you speak to that? Like, he's sixty-eight percent at the rim. Like, when I think of Doug McDermott, I just think of a you know a spot-up shooter, a guy that can shoot threes, and that's where he's going to beat you at. But if he could beat people off the dribble and finish around the rim, that's just crazy to me. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of that this year, or if that's just like it can't be an anomaly because I feel like that's happened throughout the course of his career. Definitely. So a big thing for him is Bjorkren kind of energized his role. I did a feature on this, so I, I've got this one down. Before the season, they like met up in Phoenix, and Bjorkman was like, I want you to like step back more on your threes and like be ready to drive and come out of the other corner. And like, I think you could be way more versatile because you're going to draw a bunch of defenders with your three. And McDermott was like, okay. And then he and Sabonis already had this brilliant back cut dribble handoff chemistry that frees up the whole lane because guys don't want him to shoot the three. So you combine those two things where he's allowed to be more aggressive and has a perfect setup partner for his skill set. And he's just been blowing past guys to get to the rim and just looks like a, a capable like like I, th- I think this is the terminology i've heard before but like one dribble player two dribble player you know however many dribbles they can do constructively before they are hurting your team mcdermott's kind of step from a one dribble player where he can like dribble once and then score or pass to like two or three which sounds like a dumb way to analyze a player but it's a big deal when he's in control for that much longer can still make decisions so he's still a threat from deep but really yeah his at the rim game has been absolutely ridiculous and it's hard. If you're the guy on him, you have to be, you know, this is the very eighth grade basketball mechanics level stuff, but like you have to be able to see your man in the ball at all times or you will get beat. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about. Those, those corner threes, just threes in general. But, you know, back to your original question again, I, I kind of worry more about the dribble penetration that would lead to extra kickouts and yeah. uh, the Hornets have lived and, 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 you know, died by the three at certain points, but uh, they've gotten lucky this year. Uh, in terms of the opponent's three-point percentage because they do give up a ton of three-point shots. So last question before the big question. Who is the guy that Pacers fans haven't heard of that's going to swing this game? 
haven't heard of. Um, Ooh, well, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine you guys not hearing of anyone that would make a big impact on this game. Let, let me, let me put it this way. Now I know everyone has heard of Devonte Graham. Like, I think that's clearly a name that most Pacers fans would have heard of, but with him coming off the bench, I think sometimes people forget about Devonte Graham and he's been shooting the ball very well recently. I, I think out of anyone you know, when you talk about the guards in the past seven to 10 games, he's the one that I'm kind of looking at to have a good game uh, against the Pacers. Um, he does struggle inside the arc, but if you just look at his on off numbers, they continue to impress despite really not having a game inside the three point line, his facilitation, his off ball movement, his subtle improvements on the defensive side have really, really helped him make an impact on this, on this team. Do you, do you subscribe to uh, the dunks and threes website? Have you heard about that before? Yeah. Yeah. I use it for yeah. EPM a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he is, he is first on the team in EPM okay. um, at plus 2.5, which is like in the 91st percentile, which is people, when you think of him, you just think of a, a, a shooter, which obviously he is, and he can do that off the ball on the ball, but it, there's just little things that he does that impacts the game. I guess I can kind of revise my answer too. I guess there's, there's a lesser known player. I was just thinking of him, Jalen McDaniels. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he gets quote unquote significant minutes. I guess he has been a player that stepped up when miles bridges went down for those 10 or 11 days with uh, the health and safety concerns uh, with COVID. Um, he's a very versatile player. He's, he's, he's low usage. So you're not going to see the ball in his hands a ton, but he will hit the occasional corner three and you've got to watch out for him on the offensive glass. He is going to crash every single time. If he doesn't get it, he's going to, you know, deflect it and it's going to go to somebody else. So I guess that's the lesser known player, but Devonte Graham to me still is underrated among Hornets fans. Wow. He is very good. Uh, and pull up three pointers with that level of threat are, Always hard to defend. And I also would like to take this opportunity. I get this question a fair amount. Uh, my favorite advanced stat or like what advanced stats I like. And PIPM was my favorite, but it is now removed from the internet. And EPM is now my favorite. So for those who don't know, Dunks and Threes has a fantastic advanced stat called EPM. And it matches the eye test the most for me. So it is my favorite advanced stat. And that's how it works. The rebounding you mentioned with McDaniels. This is the last point I want to make about this game. Is a concern for me. The Pacers have sucked at rebounding this year, despite having a lot of large people on the court. And the Hornets finished sixth in offensive rebounding this year. Cody Zeller was killer on the glass against the Pacers this season. So that is something that worries me. Although he doesn't play a ton by himself, I still worry about the impact he can have. All right, the big question, Richie, who's winning the game? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I, just because it's in Indiana and just because the Hornets have lost five straight, I know it's a quote-unquote new season, and, and you can try to erase the regular season. Um, I'm going to keep my expectations low for Charlotte fans. And I'm just going to say that Indiana wins. I'll, I'll say it's a close game. I, I say they win by five to seven points. I think because it's, I kind of lean more towards the game seven style of like what this game will kind of be structured like. Uh, I think it'll be a close game just because I feel like I've never seen a blowout game seven recently in the NBA. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. These guys have the intensity. So I also feel like it's going to be close. I think the Hornets are a pretty tough matchup for the Pacers. You know, good guards like they have. I've been, been, been killer for them all season. So it was tough with the Wizards and Hornets. I'd be like, well, they have a bad matchup either way. But I think the home court advantage thing is what swings it for me as well. I asked Justin Holiday about home court advantage, and he's like, even if we've sucked at home this year, the Pacers have sucked at home this year, by the way. Just being able to sleep in our own bed before the game is like 
such a such a big deal that no one ever really talks about. Even if the fan impact is way lower this season, it's such a big deal. So I'd say like 51% Pacers, and that's why oh. I will say them for this. <laughs> You're so nice. You're so nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're basically even. They have the same record the whole season. The Hornets yeah. did beat them twice, I guess. If I think of that, I would switch it, but... Well, Richie, where can one, we one of those games, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, one Sorry. of those games, Brogdon was out, correct? I think that yes, maybe one of the wins. Well, I guess Lamella was out in that game too. So I don't that is I don't know if that evens out, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much you can kind of take from those three games just because the teams have yeah. changed so much. So that's that's all I'm gonna say. Well, and like Hayward got hurt in the last Pacers Hornets game, I think, and yeah, they didn't have Karras for two of them. It, it, yeah, it's hard to draw a ton from those, but they're not useless, I guess. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Richie, where can people follow you and all your stuff and the Busby podcast? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Richie Randall. Uh, do coverage of the Charlotte Hornets, post out video clips, and we record a weekly podcast. We usually release every Wednesday. So if you want to hear some Hornets talk, I'm not sure if your Pacers fans want to hear it, but uh, you can subscribe and listen to us. Buzzbeat, we're part of the Blue Wire Network. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll, of course, have recap action of this game and what the results means for the Pacers tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you then.